Hey guys, today's episode is with my friend Laura Nice. She has such an amazing story with fostering to adopting to having special needs children as well as her career, which is coroner of Newberry County. So I hope that you enjoy our episode and learn as much as I did. Sit back and enjoy. There's no doubt everyone loves true crime podcasts these days, and there's a new podcast that you will want to add to your playlist, Murder Mondays. Host Nicole Simmons travels and interviews victims and families of murderers in South Carolina. She's a small-town girl who's a wife and business owner, and Murder Mondays is a passion project for her. She brings you the facts and personal stories of the people affected by the most heinous crimes in South Carolina. If you enjoy true crime podcast, Murder Mondays is for you. Murder Mondays with your host, Nicole Cole Simmons, available on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and other podcast players. Add Murder Mondays with Nicole Simmons to your playlist right now. This is Blended, a family podcast with me, Bree, and me, Caroline, just two mamas who chose to make our blended family thrive. We share stories, pump up step parents, root for positive blended family dynamics, and through it all, we get to lead with grace, heal, learn, and grow. Hey guys, it's Bree with Blended, a family podcast. And it's Caroline. And today I have Laura with us. Um, Laura and I have been friends for, gosh, I think about seven years now, and we met in the CrossFit community um, back when we were living in Chapin, and then she was a member of Ryan's and My Gym here in Newberry, and then we grew to church friends and small group Bible study friends as well, and Laura has um, a very cool career, a very cool parenting story fostering story to adopting so we're just gonna dive right in Laura so (laughs) welcome good morning how are y'all today we're great thank you so much for being here today yeah thanks for having thanks for having me (laughs) (laughs) well Laura tell us just like the high overview level of you and then we'll dive deeper oh gosh um so Let's see. I'm a mother of three uh, children right now. Um, And then a mother of four, four fur babies and a mother of four chickens. (laughs) Um, I work full time uh, running my own office here in Newberry County. I'm an elected official. Um, Two of my children have special needs. Uh, so we're a very, very busy family, uh, married my husband, um, of coming up almost 10 years in September, uh, Kyle, love of my life, took me a while to find him, but eventually I did. So that's part of my story as well. I love it. That is so true. Um, well, can you tell us more about your elected position? Sure. So um, I'm the elected coroner for Newberry County. Um, I decided to put my hat into the political ring in 2016. Um, not something that I really ever thought I would do, but uh, given my background in law enforcement and crime scene, uh, I fell in love with death of investigation. Um, and when I met Kyle, uh, 
I was encouraged by a lot of the citizens here in Newberry to run for coroner. So here we are. That is so cool. I love that. And I have a lot of respect for that line of work. Um, I worked for a funeral home in Charleston and had close relationships with all the surrounding coroners um, at one point. So I know just how much goes into that. And um, that's a, it's a really interesting line of work. Well, thank you. I love my funeral homes. They're great people. <laughs> they are. Yeah, we've, there's a good community. Um, what year did you become coordinator? Uh, 2016. So I've been in office for seven years uh, and I'm up for re-election in 2024. We've, uh, we follow the um, presidential election cycle. That's right. I actually did know that. <laughs> um, so what led you from law enforcement and to corner? I know you said when you moved to Newberry County, you got like a lot of influence um, there. Well, I started um, when I started my career when I was 21 years old. That seems so long ago. Um, I worked at Lexington County Sheriff's Department. I worked on the road and then I went into the schools and was a school resource officer. And while I was there, I got my bachelor's degree. Um, and then I moved into crime scene. Uh, from there, I went over, I moved to Virginia with my husband at the time. Um, it didn't work out so well in Virginia. So we moved back within a year. Yeah. Fun times with that. And then um, I can imagine all the big changes. Yeah, I was hired with New Lexington County Coroner's Office as a forensic death investigator, um, and spent five years with them. And then moved to Newberry and worked in, with Newberry Pathology Associates for several years as a morgue assistant, and then went to nursing school. Wasn't big on nursing school. But, you know, I, even if you don't succeed at something, I always feel like you're going to learn something from it. So I definitely learned uh, what I needed pathology-wise and medical-wise to do the job I do now. Yeah, absolutely. That's so, that's great how it just unfolded like that for you. I'm sure, I mean, you've definitely worked so hard to, like, climb that ladder. and Wow. Yes. Yeah, it definitely, um, I'm a big firm believer, especially now that, you know, God puts you in the places and puts you through the trials and tribulations that he does in order for you to come out in a better spot for him yes. and for your family and for yourself personally. Absolutely. Well, if you're willing to share the story of your late husband, I don't, I don't want to say it's one of my favorite stories, but it really like spoke a lot to me of who you are and why you went towards the coroner path. Sure. So, um, <clears throat> it was actually my fiance, but I mean, we're, three oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, well, I met, uh, Sean the first day of my senior year. So I was 17. Um, and he was a quite bit older than me. He was 24. But um, for some reason, reason between the two of us, that relationship, that age did not, that age gap didn't bother us. So yeah. um, I dated him for five years. Uh, he asked me to marry him. We were supposed to be married in August of 01, I think it was. Um, and let's see. In the beginning of June, um, I was out working patrol in Lexington County, 
and got a phone call to come meet my captain at, at headquarters and the stubborn self that I am, I was getting ready to get on a call. So I was like, I'll be with you in a minute. And um, when I got there, he told me to get in the car and that we were going to the hospital. And at first I was thinking, oh, God, what happened to my mom and dad? <clears throat> and he reassured me it wasn't my mom and dad. And then he told me it was Sean. And I was like, oh, God, what happened? What kind of our car accident? Is he OK? Um, got there and found out that he had a shooting work related accident. Um, he worked for a local gun store in the Columbia area and he was shot and killed. Um, so at 24 years old, I uh, lost my fiance of, mm. you know, six years. Um, Laura, so that I'm, was, that was definitely, that was definitely a significant loss. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but the way that it was handled on the corners and at that time especially with his family um was something that caused great anger in me and mm. i decided once i saw my life going in this direction that i would never treat a family the way that his family was been was treated um and i stand whole i stand steadfast to that to this day mm-hmm. um and i make at that's one of the things that makes me who I am. So um, another story is I did get married when I was 27 and I was in that marriage for about six years. Um, And that's how I moved back to South Carolina is that I was given an ultimatum to either stay in Virginia and we got divorced or I moved, we moved back and, you know, we stayed married. Well, I moved back and we didn't stay married. So at 30... What's that? At least it, you tried. I tried. So let's see, 27, 28, 29, 31. At 32, I had found myself already experiencing the two greatest stressors in one's life, the loss of a spouse or, you know, a boyfriend or fiance and a divorce. So mm-hmm. um, kind of get to check those off my list. And, You're beating you know, the statistics. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I look at life now as... There's not, there's not much more really that I think God could really throw at me that I couldn't survive Um, Mm. because that's what it is. I mean, some people, it is a great loss and yes, both divorce and death, you have to look at it as being a survivor and learning how to live your life differently once you go through those things. And that's what I have. I don't take a lot of things for granted. Um, I learned a lot through through all that of what I will tolerate and what I would accept in a relationship and what I won't. And I kind of found my voice uh, coming through all those those things, trials and tribulations. Mm. I love it. I know that story is so hard to tell, but it really speaks to me volumes when um, thinking about your career path and, um, what you do. And, uh, Brie, I don't know if you know this, but Laura is also who worked my grandmother's, I don't want to say the word, what case her death and was the coroner that helped my mom with my grandmother as well. So I actually got to see firsthand her. Kindness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, liven it up a little bit. Let's go <laughs> to becoming a mama. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
So, um, yeah, becoming a mama, that has definitely been a turn the world upside down experience. Um, You know, I always tell people I've never birthed no baby, um, but I definitely have taken on some of the stuff that kiddos shouldn't have to deal with in their lives. But um, Kyle and I, you know, married later on in life. Um, He had a daughter from a previous marriage um, and we kind of compromised on, on the whole baby child thing. So I never had that feeling of, I had to have my own baby. I have to have my own baby. Um, I always kind of felt back in the back of my head that I'd always foster and adopt children. Um, So that's what we did. Um, We've had probably 12 to 15 kids uh, come through our home. And I hope that for those moments in time, they realize that they were loved and they can use that structure for the rest of their life. And then God sent us uh, Cole and Caroline. Um, And actually tomorrow is their gotcha day. February 14th is, yeah, that'll be, uh, I think three years, four years is our valentine's wow. day is always special because that's cole and caroline's got today oh that's beautiful so, so that's the day that they came into your home or the day that you adopted them that's the day we adopted them okay <laughs> yes so i know cole and caroline pretty well i get to see them quite often and for gosh i don't know two years i thought they were twins but they're not <laughs> No, they're, they're Irish twins. I guess you would call them. They're um, 18 months apart. So Cole is 11 and Carolina is nine. And they are brother and sister. They are. They are. There was actually a third sibling. um, But given the state of trauma and malnutrition and that they came into our home, we felt that it would be very hard for us to take on all three children. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, their youngest sibling is, has been adopted as a family in Lawrence. So, oh, and we nice. keep in touch with them, um, as much as we can with our busy lives. Yeah. Busy lives. How long were they fostered in your home before you could adopt them? Um, they were with us probably a year and a half or two years. Um, their case is a little different just because, um, we were kind of able to go through the TPR hearing, which is the termination of parental rights, um, fairly quickly uh, because of the parents' actions and lack of action um, mm-hmm. to try to get their children back. So um, that one was a little bit less stressful than some of the other ones that we've been through fostering-wise. Mm-hmm. So. And I'm sure you just meet children from all different kind of backgrounds. and. Um... You know, you're you're taking them in and you're caring for them and you're changing their outlook on what caring and love looks like. So, you know, you can't I know you can't adopt them all, but I'm you've just uh, probably changed so many lives. Uh Oh, did we lose her? Laura. Bree, are you there? I'm here. Oh, okay. Oh, um, we dropped you. Do I need to recenter the link? Oh, there she is. 
Laura? Oh, no it doesn't say her name on my side. Okay, let me re-invite her. I bet her phone went to sleep. Oh. I had to clear that. Oh, needs a lot. Anyways. Um, my phone yeah. rang at one point, and I was freaking out, so I'm curious how the recording is going to sound. I didn't hear any of it. Did you uh, hear the girls come in my room? No. <laughs> they came in. Do I have to jump to that call too? Or is that the same one? No, it's the same one. You just okay. okay. Oh. Laura? Can you hear me now? Okay, there we go. Yay! Well I could I could hear you the whole entire time, so I'm not sure exactly what would happen. Oh no. It was weird. Sometimes if your phone like goes to sleep, it like pops you off the recording. Gotcha. Hang do you have an Android or do you have an iPhone? iPhone. Oh well that's no weird. help. I'm in the last century with an android <laughs> here let me try to do the do not disturb and see if that helps i know i got a phone call after i said all of that and it didn't work but i didn't hear anything and the girls like try to come in my room and hit the door and stuff and i like to toad i was like Shh. yeah what's oh. interesting i think it's within like a certain range close to the mic that we hear okay so probably um, my bracelets and rings, like that makes sense. But it's like, um, the other day I freaked out thinking we would hear a dog like walking in the room. I didn't hear it at all on the pickup. So oh, it's a little tap, tap, tap. Yeah. All right. So what all was right, the last question? There we go. I put it on do not disturb. Can you hear me now, though? Yeah, yeah. I, we can still hear you. Okay. All right. I want to make sure that I didn't do not disturb y'all. Um. So where were all we? Right. We were talking about um, her fostering the the kids. Uh, I just don't know if you want to like just start somewhere, like start off somehow so that you can just edit it in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you want me to start with a question like what led you to fostering? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So Laura, what led you to fostering, you and Kyle to fostering? Um, I have no idea. No. Actually... <laughs> You know, that was, like I mentioned earlier, that was kind of our compromise of having our own children. Um, I never really had that biological drive of having to have, go through the pregnancy and have my own, my own child. But always in the back of my head and, you know, kind of on my heart was to foster children, possibly mm-hmm. ad- adopt <clears throat> that, those children. So that's, that's the route we took. Um you know, when we first talked about getting into it, uh, you know, the number one thing I think all ladies think about is, you know, having to let go. Um, mm-hmm. And those those kids going back into homes and not knowing what's going to happen with them. And um, kind of our fostering mentor couple said, you know, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's about mm-hmm. giving those children mm-hmm. a safe space and feeling love at them, you know, in that moment in time in their life when they most need it. And I was like, yeah. You, you're right about that one so we'll go ahead and do this and such uh, a selfless act and you know and normalizing that pull that women don't always feel like they need to biologically have these children you know and that sometimes um you just have that in the, that sense that you're going to become a mother in a different way yeah, yeah. i love that So Ryan and I are very passionate about fostering. When he was in law enforcement, he had to put two children in foster care. 
And I just remember the story like it was yesterday. We were in what we called our peanut butter jelly days where every day for lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner was peanut butter jellies. You know, like we were flat broke. And I remember him calling and saying, I had to put these kids in foster care. One of the children's autistic and he only wants to take his medicine with this particular juice. And like, I think we had like $50 to our name and I was like, okay, go to Walmart, like do what you have to do. We'll make ends meet, you know? And he goes to Walmart. I remember him buying this juice, like underwear for them and a backpack and like something else came home. He got him into the home. He came home and he was like, I have to be there when they wake up. So I think he slept at that point, just a few hours to hurry up and get to a temporary placement for the night and was there like first thing in the morning. But from that point on, Ryan and I have always been passionate about foster care. And for us, it's, it's timing. Like when's the right time? When's the, you know, the correct home and how do we, you know, do that with our children and them being in the correct places that their cells before we bring, you know, a troubled child into our home. And, um, I don't know, it's so hard, you know, so it's been on our hearts. Like it's not something we're ready to pull the trigger on and it's terrifying all at the same time, but you can feel the heartstrings pull towards it. Yeah. But well, I, just... I think it's, I think it's kind of like motherhood or when, uh, when a family or whatever whatever decides you know they want to move to that step of having children you're never ever ready for it (laughs) somehow I knew that statement was coming (laughs) yeah there's never a good time is there I mean there's never I mean if you oh we got to save up to have money well you ain't ever going to have enough money for a kid (laughs) and ain't that Especially when they get our, their ages that they're right now, they eat you out of house and home. I know. And I've done it four times and four times I felt that way. Like there's just See? never a good time to, for this to happen, <laughs> but here we go. Um, and I think that's what parenthood is about. It's just like, like you said, all right, well, here we go. I yeah. Mean, every morning I wake up and I'm like, okay, well, here we go. Yeah. yeah. When I get worried too about their emotional state too, like, you know, what if I get an infant or what if I get a teenager and their life experiences are different? You know, am I capable of helping them with their emotional distress? You know, I think Mm. I, I think he would be, I mean, just the way you like to communicate and the way you look at life, I think you and Ryan um, would be awesome foster parents. And once again, remember, it ain't about you, honey. It ain't about you. <laughs> right. And it's just, I mean, it's just parenting, you know, at the end of the day, it's just that, that guiding that Caroline, and you and I talk about all the time. It's just, we're there to guide them. Like you, you know, you have your set principles and um, you just, you're, you're guiding these children into like, you just loving and caring for others. Then how can you go wrong? You know, someone told you me, I think gotta... I said it before on the podcast, our job is to make contributing members to society. And it yeah. changed my perspective on parenting. Absolutely. That's but... all you're supposed to do. You're not, you're not supposed to live for them. You're not supposed to, you're supposed to lead and guide them and hope that they take your words of wisdom, even though they won't, because, you know, we're not wise and we're not smart. And, <laughs> um, I heard that's only temporary. I thought that I thought the whole like we're always wrong thing is temporary. 
Um, they get to be I, adults and they come back and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, mom. Right. Yeah. I think that's after about after 25. I think after <laughs> 25, that's when that happens. Well, I'm, I'm I, hanging in there. I'm crossing my fingers until then. <laughs> well, you it's know, our let's, day's coming. let's talk about the dynamic. Let's say, you know, here we are on a podcast talking about this and I'm, I'm speaking to Cheyenne's mother and she's in our home and for a blended family to say, take on fostering, it's not just Ryan's in my decision. Like, to be honest with you, Brie and Chase would have to be fully supportive of us and be another supporting party, you know, for that. And so I think that it's such a healthy conversation. Um, I'm sure when you became foster parents, your parents were on board and all your other supporting members were on board as well, because correct me if I'm wrong, but like, you can't just get the teenager babysitter down the street. Like they have to be foster approved or something like that. Explain that to me. (laughs) Well, um, well, let's go back to the blended part. You know, we had to, you know, Kyle had a daughter from a previous marriage. Um, so we had her coming in on the weekends and, you know, that type of thing. So we did have to communicate, uh, with her and Kyle had to communicate with her, with her mother. Um, you know, Hey, this is what we're doing. Um, I wish that we could have had the relationship that uh, you and Bree had. Um, we tried. Um, right. We just we just couldn't get it. We just couldn't get it down right. Um, so you know, we don't have that stepmother, mother, ex-husband, ex-wife, um, even child relationship that I wish we could have had. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that as soon as she gets older, um, that can change, especially for Kyle more than anybody. Right. Um, so I'm not, I'm not very protective. You know, I want, you can mess with me all you want, but don't mess with my kids. Don't mess with my husband. Don't mess with Absolutely. my family. Um, yeah. but as far as that communication, I forgot your question to begin with, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I do that to her all the time. <laughs> the original question was about, you know, you can't just get any typical babysitter for foster, but I was uh, talking about <clears throat> the blended family and then, um, well, so you, yeah. The state of South Carolina and DSS finally came up with this wonderful idea called the prudent parent law. So what that means is that, they have entrusted you to take care of this child. So you can, you can have, you know, the babysitter down the street come in and take care of the children. Um, You can go on, on weekend trips um, out of state. You just got to let them know, Hey, we're going out of state this weekend. Um, The prudent parent allows you to parent that child the way you would parent your own children. Um, And that, that opened up a lot of, made it a lot easier to get the babysitter to go out on a Friday night instead of having to to be all, you know, background checked and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. And when did that come into play? Like this is recent. Um, It's been several years. It's been since we've been foster parents and that's been what, 2015, I think. I had my facts wrong then. <laughs> so, I mean, some, I guess some caseworkers want to know who, 
I mean, when you do the packet of paperwork, they'll ask you, you know, if it's an emergency, where would you go? So we had to list my parents. Um, if we had to go out of state and evacuate the state, that's where we would go. Um, and at one time we did list our babysitters that we would use, but they didn't have to go through a huge background check or anything like that. Oh, interesting. But that makes sense, the prudent parent law. I mean, you're entrusted to raise them as, you know, your children anyways, then you should have essentially the same freedoms to guide them, you know, and and do the things with the family. I mean, there's certain things you can't do. You can't, like, get them baptized. You can't um, let them go go get tattoos if they're underage. You can't can't change their appearance drastically. You know, different stuff like that that... Some people well, might want to do. Can you talk about the current child y'all are fostering? Sure. Which one? Okay. The seventeen-year-old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, good lord! We're just gonna call him Bob. I'll just okay, call, let's call him Bob. I'll just call him Bob. So Bob came to us um, in December of twenty twenty-two. No. Yeah. 20, yeah, twenty-two. Um, so he was supposed to be a very temporary. We were just a transition home for him. Bob has Down syndrome. Um, So there's that. Um, He was supposed to be going to a group home. um, And I sort of fell in love with Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We, you know, we were told that Bob was very low functioning, that he couldn't do things. um, And that wasn't the case. Um, Bob was very high functioning for a Down syndrome child. Um, he now has his own job. He works three mm-hmm. or four days a week. Um, he helps mm-hmm. with the football team. Um, I say that Bob should run for president because he is so popular. You can't go into a place without anybody knowing Bob. I love that. Bob so, really adjusted to this situation. Didn't he? he did. He did. Um, you know, he can cook very minor things he can make sandwiches he can do a lot of things for himself I think people took didn't have that much faith in him yeah um, but we're looking to adopt him once we can get the termination of rights hearing um, and that'll be it for us yeah I had talked to my husband about keeping our house open just for emergencies only and he's like nope that's like fostering dogs to find homes for them. I know what will happen. Um, I don't believe I'm, it because ha- ha- there's not like a, a vasectomy for fostering. Like you, <laughs> There's no like cap in it. So you could totally change yeah. your mind in a weak moment and have 10 more. Yeah, that's called closing our home. <laughs> um, so that that's kind of where we're at now. Um because I am, I'm a rescuer. I identify as a rescuer. It's sure. a very huge, it's a downfall for me. And I know it's a weakness for me, but I also feel that rescuing nature has allowed me to look at life a little differently and what these kiddos have been through mm-hmm. and do what I can to help them. Well, I have some good Bob stories. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first off, we all start. Cheyenne just had a birthday, and when uh-huh. I dropped Cheyenne off, Bob 
ensured me that he would be extra loud singing her happy birthday and embarrass her. And he did a great job. Oh, I love it. He's already just like us. That's great. <laughs> yes. And then one time we were all at a bonfire at you got you're at Laura's house and Bob comes over and just like sits on Ryan's lap. Uh-huh. And um Ryan's like, Bob, you're you like you're a little heavy on my leg. And he stands up and ooh, Buddha in my belly. Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So funny. Um, uh, but he is the sweetest kid and I think he's the absolute perfect um addition to your family, Laura. He definitely keeps it lively for us. That's for <laughs> sure. They all do in their own way. Um it's it's funny to see all these personalities come together and, and work in our home. Um and he, how- he is a great big brother. He um does everything he can do to keep Cole on track. Um and that in itself is a full time job. So he and he and KK get along superbly. Um they'll go out and play on the trampoline and he just he he might be a 17 year old young man, but he has the, you know, he's on their age level right now. Yeah. And it's fun to watch them interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And how did the conversation go um, with your children, um, your first set of children, when you brought in a more fostering children? Like, how does that conversation look each time? Does it change? I mean, are they pretty open to the concept? Well, they are because they knew, they know that that's where they came from. They, right. they know that's how they ended up where they're at now. Um, <clears throat> usually we try to keep it. And one of the biggest rules that you learn going through foster, foster, foster school, I guess you would call it is um, there definitely is a pecking order um, in the family, especially when it comes to children. Um, and you, you try to keep that pecking order straight. Um, so Bob coming in, older than Cole and Caroline, it didn't really seem to have a big issue with it. Mm-hmm. Um, our other child that we had at the time, he was 17 as well. Um, she seemed to adapt to it too, but you know, again, she came from the, the fostering system. Yeah. Um, Kyle's daughter, on the other hand, um, that when we disturbed that pecking order, that didn't seem to go very well. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's interesting the like psyche that like that kids go through and but I mean even not just for them we're hard I mean the human body and the mind is it's so hard no matter how we do things sometimes you know our our body always reacts differently and we can only process so much but um it's interesting to, to hear that dynamic though like how the foster children did very well but not the stable child, the, uh, the, the daughter already in the home struggled with that. Right. And was she, um, did you guys have full custody of her before or at that point? I've, I've missed that. Or did she only every other weekend? She would come. I mean, once she got of age and she didn't, she can make her own decisions of driving and stuff like that. She just quit coming. So, um, she'll come on a major holiday and that's about it. But, um, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that we went out of the pecking order amongst a whole lot of other stuff, but we, that's a totally different podcast, but 
I don't want to get into <laughs> So, um, no, and I'm sure that's I, a hard dynamic. I mean, you could you think of, um, you know, just the connection to her, probably her dad, and and then no new family members even at an older age, anyways. And um, I know it's probably a lot to handle, but at the same time, um, you you guys are offering this beautiful opportunity to other children in your home. So it's such a hard balance. It is, and like I said, I hope. <clears throat> hopefully when she gets older and more mature that she'll realize that what we're, what we're doing for these kids is um, giving them a better life. Like we were able to give her or her mom was able to give her. Um, and it was a, it's a selfless act. It wasn't a selfish act. Yeah. But you think how you, the frame of mind we might've been in, in our young era, late teens, early twenties, you know, and it just was, it was more self-centered than outlook. Um, Mm -hmm. So I bet when she starts to settle down um, and grow her own roots, she'll kind of reflect backwards and be like, Oh, maybe I didn't see that the way it was really, you know? Well, that's all I can pray for. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all kind of do that, but yeah. Well, Laura, let me ask if uh, someone's wanting to foster or adopt what, Laura wisdom would you empower them with have patience Um, the the process is very long and tedious and I mean because you're dealing with state let's get let's we're we're dealing with state government so um you can have all the paper ready and sent in and ready to go and you'll sit there for six or seven months you're just gonna hurry up to wait yeah right right but um it is something that you need to be passionate about. It's something that you need to, you know, definitely have some long conversations with your significant other um, or <clears throat> spouse or partner. Um, because and it's are, not something you take lightly because you don't yeah. want to mess up these kids any more mm-hmm. than they already are. Mm-hmm. And what are some of those concepts that you guys discussed and like, kept in mind when you were having those conversations of should we do this we in a broad frame or even each individual child when you were discussing is this what we need or can we do right now you know well I think it has to come down to are you going to be able to take that extra time to give those children to make them feel secure and safe in their environment um can you I don't know I think it comes down to mostly time can you provide the time that these kids are going to need? Right. Um, you know, just having your own parent, having your own children, of course, you have to, you have to make time for them and you make time for what you want. Um, and it's, it's a dedication and it's a connection that you make with these kids that you feel you give, you give your all like you would your own children. Um, Absolutely. And then, of course, when they go back to mom and dad for reunification, it's um, bittersweet. Um, and you worry about them. I worry about all the children that have come through my house every day. I, I pray sure. every day that they are thriving and they're doing good and they're not back into the environment that they were in. Um, and it's, it's I'm going to tell you right now, having, to, having a child... Um, being taken out of your home for reunification with your parents. Like I said, it's, it's bittersweet, but it also can be very heart wrenching. Um, sure. Yeah. Not for the faint of heart. My first child uh, 
was taken back to his family and by, they're doing great. I haven't talked to them in a, a year or two, but you know, they touch base every once in a while. They did that and I went out and got a new dog. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to fill the, the, the heart. Somehow. I had to fill the heart and Louie was my heart filler. I think I know um, which one you're talking about. And he, that was a sweet little boy. The redhead? Yes. No, this was before the redhead. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is before the redhead. Um, I think I ended up with a dog then, too. I think, that's got, <laughs> I think that's when Lizzie came into the picture. Yes. I think. Um, and that's another reason my husband's like, we got to close the house after this because we can't have any more dogs. Yeah, you got no more. <laughs> no more room in this end. That's okay. And we we'll have, start with the chickens. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to get, I'll get more chickens. but um yeah we're definitely busting at the seams um in our house right now but you know i love it um there's nothing better to me that fills my heart and fills my soul than cooking for all these my hood rats as i call them and um (laughs) having family and friends over and sitting down around the table and having dinner every night and just talking about their day that that's what fills my soul for them yeah. Well, I have had the honor of sitting at that table multiple times and your house is full of chaos, but just so much love, loud and laughter. And I just love it and absolutely honored, Laura, that you could take the time today to sit down with Bree and I and talk about your journey, your love story and um, fostering and adopting. Well, thank you for having me. It's been awesome. I had to, this is my first podcast that I've been on. So. <laughs> How, did, were you nervous? I, were you, did you not, did you feel like you'd overshare or undershare or what? No, I mean, to me, it's like just talking with girlfriends about. I know, right? It, like, so. Yeah. It feels like you're just kind of like getting to know everybody, feeling everybody out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's been I awesome. Love it. I, I love like it. getting to know more of your story and like, um, just a, I'm just total admiration for the ups and downs and uh, like bends and twists that you've had to do um, through this lifetime. And just, you know, you and you're living in Newberry and I love Newberry. I feel like little Newberry, like just the perfect little, <laughs> perfect little town. And um, I think that in itself and your le- elected official there is um, a real honor. And I'm proud of you. <laughs> well, thank you. all right well thank you laura and um everybody listening if you are interested in fostering or adopting um please comment on one of our posts this week and we'll try to get some answers and to you as well of how to start the process um again thank you for listening to blend it thanks guys thanks bye bye Jen Louise Coaching is a sponsor of Blendit, and I, myself, Caroline, have been in coaching with Jen for a while now. I personally have grown so much while working with Jen. Each of us know that you go to counseling to talk about your past, but what do you do for your present and your future growth? Well, I'm here to tell you that Jennifer at Jen Louise Coaching is helping women across the world reach their goals. Jen is board certified, holistically minded, and has over 15 years of nursing experience. 
Jen prides herself in advocating for her patients. She is here to continue to advocate for you and your goals towards your health and wellness and reach what is most important to you. This is powerful and personalized coaching. Many times you're stuck in your own way and you don't realize it, but it takes someone that is trained to listen deeply and to ask the right questions to support you towards your powerful progress. Sign up for a free consultation today with Jen. Her link is in our show notes. Start challenging your mindset today with Jen Louise Coaching.